0: Dear Father in heaven, thank you for giving us the privilege to be among the living today. We know that this privilege has not been given to us because of our goodness or holiness or righteousness. We understand our unworthiness. We know we don't deserve this life and that's the reason we even glorify your name even more. Lord, we want our lives to be the simple outworking of your will. We want our life to be a praise and glory to your name. We are sinful humans and we have no power of our own selves to do this. And without you, we can do nothing. Therefore, we seek your face this day, that you will bless us as we go through the words of our devotion, that the words we will hear shall be inspired from heaven. Please put your words in my mouth as I speak, that blessings may flow to your children as they listen. And I pray, Lord, that you also grant all of us of your spirit, that we may have power and grace to put into practice all that we will learn that these lessons may help us on our journey. Amen. Conflict and Courage March 30 Hands Toward Heaven I will, therefore, that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. 1 Timothy chapter 2 verse 8 Exodus chapter 17 verse 8 to 12 Then came Amalek and fought with Israel in Rephidim. And Moses said unto Joshua, Choose us out men, and go out, fight with Amalek, tomorrow and I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in mine hand. So Joshua did as Moses said unto him, and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill, And it came to pass, when Moses held up his hand, that Israel prevailed, and when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands were heavy, and they took a stone and put it under him. And he sat thereon, and Aaron and Hor stayed up his hands, and the one on the one side and the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. Exodus chapter 17 verse 8 to 12. Because of Israel's disobedience and departure from God, they were allowed to be brought into close places and to suffer adversity. Their enemies were permitted to make war with them, to humble them and lead them to seek God in their troubles and distress. When Israel was assailed by the Amalekites, Moses gave Joshua directions to fight with their enemies. Moses and Aaron and Hur, were stationed on a hill overlooking the battlefield. With arms outstretched toward heaven and holding the rod of God in his right hand, Moses prayed for the success of the armies of Israel. As the battle progressed, it was observed that so long as his hands were reaching upward, Israel prevailed. But when they were lowered, the enemy was victorious. As Moses became weary, Aaron and her stayed off his hands until the going down of the sun when the enemy was put to flight. As Aaron and Hur supported the hands of Moses, they showed the people their duty to sustain him in his arduous work while he should receive the word from God to speak to them. And the act of Moses also was significant, showing that God held their destiny in his hands. While they made him their trust, he would fight for them and subdue their enemies. But when they should let go their hold upon him and trust in their own power, they would be even weaker than those who had not the knowledge of God and their foes would prevail against them. As the Hebrews triumphed when Moses was reaching his hands towards heaven and interceding in their behalf, so the Israel of God prevail when they by faith take hold upon the strength of their mighty helper. Yet, divine strength is to be combined with human effort. Moses did not believe that God would overcome their foes while Israel remained inactive. While the great leader was pleading with the Lord, Joshua and his brave followers were putting forth their utmost efforts to repulse the enemies of Israel and of God. Amen. The title of our devotion for today is Hands Towards Heaven. As we saw, just prior to this battle with the Amalekites, the children of Israel were distracted by their complaining and murmuring. They were focusing on themselves, self-conscious, not looking around them to help one another. Therefore, the Lord permitted the Amalekites to trouble them. Reading from Patriarchs and Prophets, page 298, paragraph 4, it says, A new danger now threatened them. Because of their murmuring against him, the Lord suffered them to be attacked by their enemies. The Amalekites, a fierce warlike tribe, inhabiting that region, came out against them and smote those who, faint and weary, had fallen into the rear. Moses, knowing that the masses of the people were unprepared for battle, directed Joshua to choose from the different tribes a body of soldiers and lead them on the morrow against the enemy, while he himself would stand on an eminence nearby with the rod of God in his hand. So what was it that permitted this battle to happen? You see, as, as one thing we will learn from the children of Israel is this there was enough danger on the way to destroy them. Remember that they were supposed to be following the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire. It was with them. But they were blaming Moses, saying it was Moses who led them in the way. But it was the pillar of cloud and fire that Moses was following, just like every other person. They were not following Moses. They were following the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire. The way it was happening was, when the cloud and fire stops, they also stop. And when it moves, they move. So Moses was not necessarily their leader. It was God that was leading them. So when they came to a particular environment where there was no water or the water was bitter, was it Moses that really led them there? It wasn't Moses. It was God. And when they went into the wilderness and they could look around them and there was nothing for the cattle to feed on, no no food around them, and their own food which they had was already diminishing, was it Moses who led them to an environment where there was no food? It wasn't Moses, it was God. But they would always complain about Moses and there was division among them. There was trouble to the point where if it were you who were in Moses' situation, you would ask, why did they do this to him? Why did they complain like this as if it was Moses who actually did it to them? But it wasn't Moses. God was the one who did it and Moses recounted this to them in Deuteronomy chapter 8 reading from verse 2 he says and thou shalt remember all the way which the lord thy god led thee these 40 years in the wilderness to humble thee and to prove thee to know what was in thine heart whether thou wouldst keep his commandments or no and he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger and fed thee with manna which thou knewest not neither did thy fathers know that he might make thee know that man doth not live by bread only, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of the Lord, doth man live. Thy raiment waxed not old upon thee, neither did thy foot swell these forty years. So, in this, we are to understand that it is God who is leading. For them, they should have known that it was God who was leading. But because of the hardships they were passing through, they started to quarrel among themselves not necessarily among themselves but they were looking at Moses as the problem they were complaining now since there was infighting the Lord needed to give them something to think about it is not for God's people to fight among themselves with fault finding jealousies envying complaining and bitterness when we murmur and complain over things that are insignificant then the Lord will give us a real thing to complain about when the Amalekites challenged them and attacked them and killed some of them Who were already tired and walking behind, they were not now murmuring and complaining about food and water and the way that the Lord was leading them. They were put in a straight. They needed God now, and they saw their helplessness. So also with us, when we begin to focus on the faults in one another, we we lose God's protection. The angels of God cannot be with us while there is bickering and murmuring and complaining, and there is no unity. That discord is a very terrible thing. God cannot accord us protection while there is discord among us and there is no unity. The anger, discontent and complaining are not coming from God. It weakens God's church. A common enemy is then brought to unite the people. Now they were united in battle against the Amalekites and also they were dependent on God through Moses, their humble leader. Each depended on one another, and all depended on God. As we read, Patriarchs and Prophets, page 299, paragraph 1, now it says, As Aaron and Hur supported the hands of Moses, they showed the people their duty. They showed the people their duty. So what is duty? They had neglected duty before. What is the duty of the people to support the leader? They showed the people their duty to sustain him in his arduous work, while he should receive the word of God word from God to speak to them and the act of Moses also was significant showing that God held their destiny in his hands while they made him their trust he would fight for them and subdue their enemies but when they should let go their hold upon him and trust in their own power they would be even weaker than those who had not the knowledge of God and their foes would prevail against them end of quote this is an important lesson for us We have talked about it before, self-distrust and self-confidence. If we have confidence in ourselves, and we are not trusting in God and laying hold on God, we will become weaker than even those who do not know God. And today, we see the churches, the Christian churches, they are weaker than even those who do not know God. All over, they have lost their dependence on God. To spell it out very clearly, you cannot claim to be dependent on God, and yet you are disobeying His Word. A person who depends on God is one who reads God's Word and does what it says. Because he's not trusting that his own way will work. He's trusting God's way. He may see that mm, it looks as if this way it doesn't work in this time. But he's not going to plead time and the uh, context and say, oh, the, this our time is different. I need a new method. I need to do things differently from what God had said. That is self-confidence. That is dependence on self. And when we begin to depend on self, guess what we do? We start to do other methods and bring in the things that are in the world into the church and we become even weaker than the world around us. Look at the churches today in this vast majority. It has lost its power. It is weak because of depending on self. They are depending on the education they receive from the world. Today it is the lawyers. And the doctors of the world who don't even know their Bibles, many of them, they are the ones that are given positions in the church and made to lead, not because of the ordination they have gotten from God, but because of the qualification they have gotten from the world. Therefore, a lot of things are brought into the church that are from the world, depending on man's own intelligence, depending on man's ways. Losing dependence on God, the church has become weak as water. We are to learn to depend on God. And what was Moses doing? He was bringing the word of God. I read that place again. It says, Moses, they, as Aaron and Hor supported the hands of Moses, they showed the people their duty to sustain him in his adult's work while he should receive the word from God to speak to them. He was not speaking to them his own words. He was speaking to them the word from God. And Aaron and her, they were to sustain Moses. How are they going to sustain Moses? to help him out that the word he was speaking, they will ensure that it is done and also help him out in various other ways, in this case, holding up his hands. They were all dependent on, other, on each other. So instead of fault finding, the people were supposed to have a different outlook. They were supposed to act their part in the journey. They were supposed to support Moses with their prayers and Moses himself was helping them. Everything Moses was doing, it was for their sakes. It is not supposed to be a one-sided relationship, it is supposed to be mutual. While the leaders of the church are receiving from God His word and giving to the people, the people ought to be sustaining the, the, the leaders by their prayers. They were supposed to act their part, support Moses with their prayers and other things they could help to support him with. They allowed themselves to see it as Moses' work. didn't own the journey for themselves they looked at it as moses is taking us somewhere not god is taking us somewhere not i am going somewhere with the lord it was not a personal thing for them to them it was moses thing and when they looked at it that way they treated it as moses business and not their own business so whenever they saw any failure quickly they treated it as moses failure and not their failure demanding solutions from moses we need to understand that our journey to the to the kingdom of god is one that we should have a direct relationship with god we are not supposed to see it as their thing we're rather supposed to see it as my own journey and that's why in first timothy 2 verse 8 we are told i will therefore that men pray everywhere lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting the labor of a true minister is really great there are false ministers today take that everyone should understand jesus said there will be false prophets and you know them by their fruits. How do you know them? They don't follow the word of God. They are not even trying to help to bring people into the knowledge of the truth. All they care about is their pocket to deceive people. So I'm not referring to such people now as I read. Here in Letters and Manuscript, Volume 3, if you look at Letter 3, 1877, Paragraph 4, it says, The Christian minister whose heart, not just any Christian minister, but the Christian minister whose heart is given to this calling labors harder than the farmer the merchant or the mechanic. He has far greater care and heavier responsibilities. The physician who holds himself in readiness to answer the calls of suffering humanity day by day or by night is a worker, a burden bearer. There is no harder labor than that which taxes the mind and heart." End of quote. This is the reason why we need to help one another. What kind of help can we give to people who are working hard? In Pastoral Ministry, page 49, or Testimonies, volume 4, page 531, it says, Happy the minister who has a faithful Aaron and her to strengthen his hands when they become weary and to hold them up by faith and prayer. Such a support is a powerful aid to the servant of Christ in his work and will often make the cause of truth to triumph gloriously. End of quote. Why does the minister need any help in the first place? I thought he he's supposed to know everything but we need to understand that as Moses needed help so it is today. The ministers need help, not just material things, we know that, but talking of spiritual help too. They also have their troubles to fight. They also have their own persecutions they are facing, they have their own trials that they go through. And listen to what I read here now, it says in Review and Herald, July 24, 1883. It says Groups should be praying for their minister. Let those who love the Lord and his truth unite by twos and trees to seek places of retirement and pray for God's blessings upon the minister who can hardly find time to pray because he is constantly engaged, attending to so many requests, sitting in councils, answering inquiries, giving advice, writing important letters let the fervent effectual prayer of the righteous ascend to God that the word spoken may be a message of truth to reach the hearts of the hearers and that souls may thereby be won to Christ end of quote this is what Aaron and Horse duty is and it's our duty today who is the minister every one of us are supposed to be ministers but yes there are some people who God has called out to do certain works for him whether in churches or ministries there are people like that and are doing a great work but many, instead of pointing out these people and singling them out for special prayers, instead they go into fault-finding, they go into bickering, envying, and jealousy. And it it, it, it it makes the church not to be in unity. And not being in unity, the church becomes weak. It becomes weak. And the other thing too is the, self, the dependence on self. The dependence on man. Now, I will not take it away from the minister too that while the people are praying for the minister, he they are doing their part. So he is also to do his part faithfully because many ministers today are leading people astray by not doing their work faithfully. Moses did his part faithfully and the people are to learn, do your part. And what was Moses' part? Receive the word from the Lord, not from his head from the Lord. There are many ministers today who are receiving the word from their head, they read the word of God, they will not follow that one, they will say their own thing. I have heard ministers on TV tell people masturbation is not a sin. I have heard ministers tell people clearly that they are not to follow the commandments of God. Where is that word coming from? Are you receiving it from the Lord? Are you doing your duty as a minister to say such things? Verily, you are not doing your duty, you are not receiving the word from the Lord. And the prayers, you really need prayers actually. People need to pray for such ministers. And if the people are praying for them and that minister is still not doing his job, then he is to be be seen as a false prophet. And people are to run away from him like a rat out of a sinking ship. Run for their life from such ministers who are not receiving the word from God, but are receiving it from some other source. Where else can they be receiving such messages telling us that we need not follow the commandments of God? Telling us that it doesn't matter whether you are a faithful, obedient person or not. Telling us that some commandments are relevant and others are not. Telling us lies about the state of the dead. Telling people that it doesn't matter whether they are polygamists or not. That polygamy is not a sin. Where did you receive that from? Where did such a minister receive such word from? He is not doing his own part. And the church will not be... Strong when you have such a minister Moses was not that kind of minister he was receiving the word from God and after he is doing his part Aaron and Hur which are people who are supposed to be close to the minister praying for him, supporting him they also sustained the word that he preached and then there were the other members who were fighting that is there, Joshua led them they were all dependent on each other if Joshua was not fighting what of what good is Moses' hand that is raised up and if Moses' hand was not raised up, what of what good is Joshua's fight? Everybody was united. Without the raising of Moses' hand, without Aaron and Hor helping, then Joshua's battle is, is, not, is not worth anything. And even if they raise those hands, if Joshua and the soldiers don't fight, the Amalekites will keep attacking them. God was teaching the lesson that we must labor. Even if we are praying, there is still work to be done. Prayer is not everything. We must do the work that the Lord has given to us. And then and again, another way to help the minister, reading from Pastoral Ministry, page 50, paragraph 1. It says, A minister's problems can sometimes be dealt best dealt with in a small group. He was willing to go, talking about the minister now, he says this minister was willing to go into the congregation at once and confess his sins to everybody. And he's backsliding from God. He was advised that this was not wisdom and would not result in glorifying God, but would give our enemies occasion to cast reflections upon the whole ministry. It is Satan's object to ensnare men who handle sacred things. Take note, who is the one ensnaring ministers to to sin? Satan is the one doing it, that he may lead them to do things that will bring the ministry down on a level with common things, so that sinners may be furnished with an excuse for their own impenitence and sin when the words and the deportment of the minister are not after the the Christ's example, but are in imitation of the words and ways of the great deceiver, our enemies have occasion to blaspheme. That is the Amalekites now. We decided that it would meet the approval of God for a few, 30 or 40, who had heard the testimony given me of God to be present and hear his acknowledgement of the reproof given and hear his confession. End of quote. So, that is one way we can help the minister by not publishing his sin. Because if a minister sins and you publish it for everybody to hear, of what good have you done to the kingdom of God? Are not every other person, is people, are people not sinning all around you? Why don't you publish theirs? Why then is it the minister of God that you want to publish his own? Are you doing the work of God or the work of Satan when you do that? Verily you are working for Satan, no other person. When you go around whispering and gossiping and dropping this and dropping that and then, Somebody will say this is what the minister did and it affects the person's mind and because of that prejudice is aroused and they will not listen to anything that that minister has to say anymore. What have you done? Have you not smitten the people of God? Is that not what the Amalekites did? Let us read about the Amalekites of today. The Amalekites what were they in Patriarchs and Prophets page 300 paragraph 1 it says The Amalekites were not ignorant of God's character or of his sovereignty but instead of fearing before him they had set themselves to defy his power the wonders wrought by Moses before the Egyptians were made a subject of mockery by the people of Amalek and the fears of surrounding nations were ridiculed let me stop i'll keep reading later this i just read now represents those who will look at the people of God doing the right thing or the minister of God and instead of acknowledging that this is the power of God here in this message they mock the message they ridicule the message so that others who had heard it that were aroused to feel a sense of reverence for God and their hearts were quickened to respond to the Holy Spirit their fears are now taken down that is what Amalek is are you an Amalekite? are you one of those who are doing this kind of work? The Lord is calling us to repentance today, all of us. Whether we are like the people who are the ministers and not preaching the word of God, or we are the people who love to gossip the minister and yet instead of praying for him, or those who are supposed to sustain the minister and yet you are not sustaining him, instead you join in the gossip. God is calling all of us to repentance today. Which one have you been part of? The Lord says, I will forgive you. Now is an opportunity for us to change. You may not hear this kind of message any other place. No one is going to talk to you. This may be the last time you even hear of this kind of thing, calling you to repentance. Therefore, you need to pay close attention to it. Continuing the reading, it says, concerning the Amalekites, they had taken an oath by their gods that they would destroy the Hebrews so that not one should escape. And they boasted that Israel's God would be powerless to resist them. They had not been injured or threatened by the Israelites. Their assault was wholly unprovoked. It was to manifest their hatred and defiance of God that they sought to destroy his people. The Amalekites had long been high-handed sinners, and their crimes had cried to God for vengeance. Yet, his mercy had still called them to repentance. But when the men of Amalek fell upon the wearied and defenceless ranks of Israel, they sealed their nation's doom. Take that again. When the men of Amalek fell upon the wearied and defenseless ranks of Israel, they sealed their nation's doom. Hmm. The care of God is over the weakest of his children. No act of cruelty or oppression towards them is unmarked by heaven. Over all who love and fear him, his hand extends as a shield. Let men beware that they smite not that hand, for it wields the sword of justice. End of quote. Are you sealing your doom by attacking the ministers of God who are pushing the word of God faithfully? I'm not talking of any kind of minister here, so be careful. Don't think I'm referring to false prophets here who will not preach the word of God faithfully. I mean those who will faithfully preach the word of God and tell you your sins and call it by his right name and point it out to you calling you to repentance are you smiting them what happened to the Amalekites when they smote them they sealed their nation's doom and the Lord said concerning the Amalekites in the book of Exodus 17 verse 14 to 16 the Lord said unto Moses write this for a memorial in a book and rehearse it in the ears of Joshua for I will utterly put out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven and Moses built an altar and called the name of it Jehovah Nisi. For he said, because the Lord had sworn that the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. Hmm. What are you bringing upon yourself? Be careful who you go against. Jeremiah was a faithful preacher of the word of God. And when he preached faithfully, what did they do to him? Let me read it. Jeremiah chapter 18, reading from verse 15, he says, because my people had forgotten me, they have burned incense to vanity And they have caused them to stumble in their ways, from the ancient paths to walk in paths, in a way not cast up, to make their land desolate and a perpetual hissing. Everyone that passeth thereby shall be astonished and wag his head. This Jeremiah now talking to the people, he said, God said to them, I will scatter them as with an east wind before the enemy. I will show them the back and not the face in the day of their calamity. Now, how did the people respond to this message and many other messages that Jeremiah had given them faithfully from the word of God? Hear their response. Jeremiah 18 verse 18 Then said they, Come, let us devise devices against Jeremiah, for the law shall not perish from the priest, nor counsel from the wise, nor the word from the prophets. Come, and let us smite him with the tongue, and let us not give heed to any of his words. Give heed to me, O Lord, and hearken to the voice of them that contend with me. You see, these people who said this thing, let us smite Jeremiah. People need to be careful what they do. Let us smite Jeremiah. How? With our tongue. And there are people who are Amalekites today who are seeing God's people faithfully preaching his word and instead of breaking on the word word of God and their hearts yielding to Him. Instead, they go and say, Come, let us devise devices against Him. Many pastors have been set up set up to sin and then the people publish it so that they can glory over God's people. That kind of behavior is the same thing that the Amalekites did. What was his response? He says, From generation to generation, I will have war with Amalek the Lord may be saying to you too I will have war with you because of what you did you were an accomplice in setting that minister up and you were part of those who spread the evil that you that they made that you heard that he did because you were glorying in it and the Lord will say because you went unprovoked to attack my people I will have war with you from generation to generation. And Jeremiah prayed and said, Give heed to me, O Lord, and hearken to the voice of them that contend with me. Shall evil be recompensed for good? For they have digged the pit for my soul. Remember that I stood before thee to speak good for them, and to turn away thy wrath from them. Therefore deliver up their children to the famine, and pour out their blood by the force of the sword. And let their wives be bereaved of their children and be widows, And let their men be put to death. Let their young men be slain by the sword in battle. Let a cry be heard from their houses, when thou shalt bring a troop suddenly upon them. For they have digged the pit to take me, and hid the snares for my feet. Yet, Lord, thou knowest all their counsel against me to slay me. Forgive not their iniquity, neither blot out their sin from thy sight. But let them be overthrown before thee, deal thus with them in the time of thy anger. One will wonder why is Jeremiah saying this, he was speaking under inspiration. What he wrote here is not necessarily his own feelings towards them, but under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he wrote exactly what the Lord will do to those who under the faithful preaching of the word of God, instead of them to yield their hearts to him, they turn against the minister like the Amalekites, smiting the people of God, unprovoked we should be careful not to be like the Amalekites. Rather, we should respond like Aaron and her, holding up the prophet's hands. And when you see that this is a person who is doing the work of God, it is not for you to go and hunt evil or concerning the person. Like we read, many ministers don't even have time to pray for themselves. And I can relate. And that is why they need the prayers of others to support them because they are very busy doing so many things so they need the prayers of others to support them and for the ministers i strongly would say because of the kind of responsibility laid upon the ministers it is not for any minister to be to to be idle it is not for any minister to give the people words that are not from god moses was receiving the word from god this word he gave was to be sustained by, by aaron and her ministers please do not give your own word receive the word from God and give it as it is all sin by his right name help the people just as Jeremiah was doing he was helping the people he was speaking well for them to God and it is not for the people to turn against him the church needs to be united in truth not just united in 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 anything they want to unite it unite by sewing uniforms and thinking that by wearing the same uniform we are all united it's not uniform that makes people united it is having the same belief in one accord practicing the truth as it is in jesus everybody needs to see jesus for themselves and follow jesus and as far as everybody individually is following jesus eventually you find out that all are united may the lord help us have you smitten now is the time to repent have you been murmuring and complaining and causing disunity among god's people now is a time to repent. Perhaps as a minister you have fallen into sin or you were not receiving the word from the Lord and you were not giving the right word that should be sustained. Now is the time to repent. Were you supposed to be sustaining the word of God like Aaron and her, and you were not doing it? God is calling each and every one of us now to review ourselves and come in line and be united so that he can give us the victory. Let us pray. Our dear Father in heaven, thank you for bringing these things to our minds. Forgive us, dear Father, for the sins we have committed. For the times we have said our own words instead of depending on you, but we have depended on our methods and our intelligence instead of on the word of God and giving it faithfully. Forgive us, Lord, and help us to have the courage to preach your word faithfully. Help us, Lord, to sustain those who are doing this work and help us too to always make prayers for all men. To hold up hands without wrath, without doubting, without bitterness, without anger and envying and jealousies. Forgive us for the times we have smitten with our tongue people who are faithfully doing the work of God. Have mercy, Lord. May you not war against us from generation to generation. Help us to repent of our sins. Do this, O Lord, and take the glory. In Jesus' name of prayed. Amen.